Welcome to Marriage and Money, a conversational podcast about personal financial topics aimed at improving the conversations we have about money in our marriages so that you can reach your dreams together. This is a weekly discussion brought to you by a seemingly financially incompatible couple bonded by the legal contract of marriage. My name is David, your favorite saver, and I'm joined today by the person who advises me on everything, whether I ask for it or not, Heather. I mean, what would you really do without me? Ugh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew all the things that I was doing wrong until you were to advise me otherwise. You are welcome. <laughs> So, Heather, would you be able to remind everyone how they can contact us if they want to ask a question or share some comments about the show? I would love to. We would love to hear from our listeners. You can email us at marriageandmoneypodcast at gmail.com or message us on Instagram at marriage.and.money. We'd love to take some questions, hear your feedback. It would be great to hear from you. Awesome. Well, we're looking forward to hearing from everyone. And we have a great show planned for you today. Today, we are going to be talking about how to get some solid financial advice. Oh, I can't wait to hear what you got to say. <laughs> Me? <laughs> I was kind of relying on you for this one. Um, so why, why is financial advice so critical? Why is it that we need to be talking about this today, Heather? Uh, well, hopefully you got some money to invest. Okay. Now, that, that's good. So we, as we've talked about before... Um, money to invest means that you've taken care of your basics, right? So you've 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 taken care of um, you've taken care of your emergency fund, you've taken care of uh, your debt, and you're you're ready to start investing and planning for retirement, just saving money. Right. Even if it's a little bit of money, you'll have more and more as you move on. But exactly. we want you to know to do it right and to be wise with your money. Exactly. Yeah. We, we want you to be able to prepare for what's next after getting out of debt. We, you know, investing is not easy. It's This is something that the average person doesn't learn in school. But it is a topic that a lot of people do get certifications on, um, degrees. They do it for a living. Yeah. However, you know, just like WebMD doesn't make you a doctor, you know, Googling some articles doesn't oh, make you a certified financial now, advisor. <laughs> I, I've been on WebMD and I've diagnosed myself for quite a few things before. It is true. I have as well. But that's, I mean, we are saying, you know, you definitely can do this by yourself. Do it on your own. It does take some effort, though. But yeah. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, just think about it. When you get out of, you know, once the slog of paying off debt is done and that monkey is off your back, that's when the fun can really begin. And you the, wanna... the saving, you mean? The saving fun? Yeah, exactly. Well, that too, <laughs> I guess. The second part of the fun after spending, <laughs> saving and investing. Oh. So we want you to do it right. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, think, successful. I think saving's a lot of fun. But it's really about preparing for the future, right? And this, the stakes are incredibly high when you're investing. Um, because we're talking about your retirement. We're talking about your future. We're talking about your dreams, your aspirations, giving you options. And th there's a lot on the line. And by the way, it's kind of easy to mess up too if you do it wrong. Yeah, we don't want you to mess up like throwing your money at scratch-offs or the casino. But you can lose it or, or it can just like not grow. So you can mess this up. Right. I mean, I just think about like early on in in my life, I was getting all of my financial advice from friends that I went to school with. So who were certified 
had degrees in it? No, man? no, no. These were so. <laughs> I I did so just a little bit of my background story. Um, so when I was when when I was uh, in college, that's really when I started towards the end of my college time when I started to have a, not a lot, but I had a thousand bucks or, or, or something to, to say, okay, I can throw this at, at an investment. And so I was talking to people I worked with at the computer lab and they had great advice, but you know, they're 20 years old, 21 years old. They don't have the same level of experience that someone that should be making wise financial decisions probably would have or advising. Right. So, um, I don't know. I, I had, I invested in a, in a single mutual fund that was very industry. I vote. It was a science and technology fund. I had uh, this in a small Roth IRA, which was, which was great. Um, but it was pretty minimal. And I, I would, I'm not sure that in going so specific in, in one technology was the right move for me, but I was just going based on what I had heard. Yeah, I I think I mentioned this in our last episode or one of the recent ones is I really I didn't think about investing. I didn't think you could do it until like you had a real job. I mean, I, I didn't really have any money prior to working, so there really wasn't anything to invest. But I hear from these high school and college students who are already investing and it just it's amazing to me because I was there way further ahead than I was. So for me, my first, you know, were a way of investing was having a 401k at work and just you know investing in the funds that were provided so i didn't really do anything on my own it, until really till you and i were married and it's incredibly important to start that process early um not only because of the the value of compounding interest but because you're going to make a lot of mistakes early on and like i was just saying i i wasn't investing in the right things but it gave me an opportunity to recognize, oh, I screwed that up and learn how to how to think about things differently. Um, so, yeah. And, and of course, when I got a job, then I had a 401k and such. But my investments I prior to us being married also were, were pretty limited. It was the house. It was my 401k. And, and that was about it. Um, so then we got married. And oh, we, we yeah, had, we did. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> And um, then we had more, more, a little bit more money because we had fewer expenses and uh, we just, I think we started getting a little bit more serious than just having our 401ks. We kind of sat down and talked well, and looked a little bit more at our financials and decided well, we need to do something. Because right? we, we were paying off our debt. Right. But then, but then we said we, we had all of our, we didn't have any consumer debt at that point because we got that, we got the car loan taken care of. We got all that stuff taken care of. We, we we're working down the house at that point and we said okay well let's get our 15 percent and do something with that to start investing towards retirement right so it, we we recognized we didn't have that knowledge for ourselves and so what we did was and we, honestly i think also it was not only knowledge but desire that's true because i just gonna call it out there i was lazy i was lazy <laughs> about it i mean most things most people that I knew at the time were doing their own investing on them by themselves. They were doing it on their own. And I just, I actually prefer outsourcing most things in life to experts. And so this was just an area where I did not have the interest. Well, and one of the things even, so if you are lazy, another thing that I've, I've uh, read about and heard about is, you know, oftentimes 
index funds, a lot of people, I, I know some people that just invest in index fund because they, they are like that. They, they don't want to learn. And, and I guess I'm in that camp too. I don't want to spend all this time managing and learning. And an index fund is generally a safe way to do that investment. But yeah, we wanted to see what, what can we do more. And so we started having these conversations with, with friends about who do you ref, who would you refer to us to, 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 to manage our portfolio or to, to start a portfolio essentially, right? And again, I don't remember a ton of referrals when we no. first started this. I think we got one referral and that's who we went with because we didn't know most of, again, most of the people I knew were either probably doing nothing or doing it on their own. So there wasn't a and, lot of referrals. And we really didn't know how to pick an advisor. We didn't know what questions to ask. We Eeny, didn't know. Meeny, miny, mo. We didn't know what we valued, right? Yeah, exactly. That, that's exactly what it was. It was an e meeny, miny, mo. It was just pick, pick the, and there weren't options. So we just picked the, the one, first one that we saw. Um, and the advisor we selected had a very different style than us. He was much more risk adverse. I, I'm, a, I'm a conservative guy when it comes to investing, but he was so conservative. Um, he was so conservative that in, in the six or seven years we were with him, we made basically nothing. Yeah, we made some. Yeah. And we, it was in an up market. Right. I mean, we we knew we probably needed to make a change. But again, I think we just kept putting it off and putting it off. But um, yeah. we didn't lose. Well, we kind of I mean, we basically met inflation and kind of basically. kept our money yeah. for six to seven years. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was lost Yikes. opportunity. So, it, yeah, that's something we, you know, we all live with regrets, but it was a learning experience and it was an expensive learning experience. I think we all have expensive learning experiences in our mind. And so this was a, an opportunity cost that we had, but we finally decided to make a change. And this time we knew what we didn't like, right? We, we had that experience of this is what, what won't work for us. We knew what, what our, based on that experience, we knew what our investment style was and what it wasn't. And we had some more wealthy friends that we're now actually using. No, I'm just kidding. But kind of, <laughs> I, yes and no. I wish. <laughs> if you're wealthy like, and you want to be friends. Yeah, I, I gave her the expression. I'm like, what, who are these wealthy friends you're talking about? Why am I not aware of them? But um, no, but we did actually have some more people now that were actually using financial advisors. So we were able to get a lot more referrals than what we had before. Um, we got, you know, at least four, I think, referrals from people that... Yeah, and, advisors, and I, we were able to talk to coworkers and yep. such, and so I think that helped too. Um, but we found found an advisor, and then we've been with him now for three years. Yeah, but before that, I mean, we did interview. I think we interviewed all. Like, I think we interviewed four different advisors, and this time, because of our bad experience, I think we had we knew a lot more about what questions we needed to ask and what we were looking for. We went in a lot more knowledgeable. But yeah, I think we've been with him for at least four yeah, years. Yeah, and and it's been fantastic. So. Um, yeah, and we'll, we'll get into more of that in a little bit, but um, essentially, as we're, we're talking about managing, um, getting financial advice and, and managing your investments, there are two main approaches to this. There's, there's the self-managed and, and the, then the, the hiring an advisor approach. And the self-managed approach, admittedly, is something we don't have a lot of experience or knowledge yeah, on. Yeah, this is where we insert the legal jargon. We are not professionals. This is not <laughs> advice. Yada, 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 yada. There's a reason we hired somebody. <laughs> and so if you're looking at us to give you advice on self-managed funds, you're in the wrong place. We're not giving advice, um, just to be clear. But 
if you are going to do this and you're going to manage your own funds within your marriage, the few things that we would say as a baseline is communication. It all comes back to communication. Make sure both you and your spouse are in the loop on what is happening with your investments and why. Yes, one of you can take lead on learning everything about where you want to invest, why you're investing there, but you need to have a conversation with your spouse around the risk profile that you're both comfortable with, the future goals for that money, what your targets are. You need to be aligned on this stuff. Right, so this is going to require some talking as well as listening. <laughs> um, and everyone gets to have an opinion and should have an opinion, whether you know whether you are an awesome CPA um, that does not give you more pull in making decisions. Um, but everybody gets a seat at the table, gets a voice. And again, you both have to be engaged. If, if you want one person to take the lead, I think that's fine. But you both need to be in the loop and aware of what's going on. And if you want, you know, if you need to make a decision on who's going to take the lead, a great option is always paper, rock, scissors, best two out of three. Oh, boy. So. Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> no, but seriously, I think you make a really good point around um, you both need to be engaged. And just because you're not the one that's doing the research and the investment decisions, I think that doesn't mean you don't have veto power. You, this is This is a marriage and... If you're not comfortable with the investment strategy or investments that your spouse is making, who's taking the lead on that, you should have the ability to to make that veto power because a marriage is a partnership. Um, and yeah, spouses have a lot of wisdom. They know what's going on. They understand their partner. They are able to speak into that to, to get to the root of why something is happening. And Especially my wisdom. spouse has a lot of wisdom. I was... About, it's in that giant that extra, size, here. extra size head that you've got there. Oh, got a lot gosh. of wisdom in it. <laughs> I do. <laughs> we were just talking before recording that I have a big head. Um, physically. Physically. Physically not, a very not. large head. Hats generally have trouble fitting me. It's all that wisdom. I don't think that's it. I, I think I'm a little thick-skulled is the problem. <laughs> um, yeah, but as you're going through this, there there are a variety of brokers that you can use to set up brokerage accounts with. And I, I don't have a recommendation on one, but you can go with low cost brokerages, high cost, whatever you wanna do. There's You can do some research. There's a host of brokerage firms out there. Um, but yeah, like we said previously in our uh, retirement savings episode, you need a to create a brokerage account in order to manage your own. If you're working with an advisor, they'll set that up for you. But you gotta do a ton of research on this. Be very comfortable with it. You need to watch this on a regular basis. Um, maybe not every day, but um, but you can't ignore it either. You got to stay up to date on what's happening. Yeah. Again, you should do a lot of research, which I, this is where it falls apart for me because I'm just too lazy to do all that. Uh, but yeah, you want to be managing it actively. And that doesn't mean doing trades every day, but but you need to be aware of what, what's going on in your investment accounts and following it and communicating it back to your spouse if you're the one kind of managing it and, and monitoring it. Yeah, I don't know if you've noticed that as a theme on the, on this podcast, but it all seems to come back to 
communicate with your spouse. <laughs> if that's not happening, pretty much everything else is going to fall apart. <laughs> so anyway, I think that's enough talking about the subject that we know very little about, self-managing <laughs> finances. So if you know somebody that self-managing finances, maybe get talk to them if you trust them. It's uh, kind of crazy we're tips, on a podcast talking about something we don't know about, but hey. Well, self-managing investments. <laughs> I, should, I said self-managing finances. We manage our own finances. We don't manage our investments. So we went the route of hiring a financial advisor, and we did this by looking at several options, as you said. We interviewed four different yep. group people, and the things that we the, the two primary things we were looking for was one, we wanted someone who was a teacher. They came to us and they wanted us to understand what they were investing in, why they were investing in it and why it was a good idea for us, right? And they wanted us to understand that so that it was as much our idea as it was theirs. Right, I would totally agree. And then I, I think the other thing that we were looking for is you wanna go to someone who this is what they do. So we did interview like an insurance broker, but they were really focused on trying to sell us, you know, insurance and kind of other oh, yeah. investments. And they weren't focused on, I'm just, they're there to manage your investment. So, you know, it's not to say you can't use, but we recommend, you know, if you're, if you're looking for a financial advisor, you go to someone that that's what they do. You don't go to a banker. You don't go to insurance. Like if you need insurance, go to insurance broker. If you need to set up a bank account, go to a banker. Like they're all of these roles have specific jobs and responsibilities. And, and let should. me tell you, when we met with that insurance broker, or agent or whatever he was. So he was pitching us a life insurance policy, oh, right? A whole life insurance, whole life insurance yeah. policy um, as an investment tool. And he made it sound like it was the greatest thing in the world, this untapped secret. And if we didn't start investing now, we were missing out because we only had so many years to contribute and we were going to miss the train. The train was leaving the station and we weren't on it. There was a sense of urgency. There was this huge amount of money we were missing out on and he was the only one that could bring it to us. Yeah. And I really fell for it, but I always do that. Just it, like in timeshares. It sounded like a very good opportunity, but anytime somebody's pitching you something that sounds that time constraint and that one in a million shot, you got to be a little skeptical first of all. And I'll let everyone else do their own investigation on whole life ins insurance policies and as an investment. It's garbage is the bottom line. But um, how do you really feel? I'll I'll let you I'll let you do your own do your own research. I am not against insurance. I am pro insurance. We have insurance, um, just not as an investment tool. Correct. Uh, and so yeah, so we really it was really important to us that our advisor aligned with our financial with our investment style. And one of those styles is we're not interested in using insurance. We. We want to be aggressive on our on our growth to a point, right? We want to, and we, yeah, we we, we like to be diversified. We're we're not people that really enjoy owning a bunch of individual stocks. We want to be looking at mutual funds, thinking we're not going to be able, and our advisor probably isn't going to be able to manage them better than a a a a. a, a it, mutual fund owner that is paid millions of dollars a year to manage them, right? And watch it right. on a day-to-day -day basis. And so this time I think we went in, again, we knew more what we needed to ask and had questions exactly. teed up this time. 
So some questions we recommend is like, what is your net worth advisor? Just kidding. <laughs> is it better to put your money on black or red at the roulette oh, table? Oh my goodness. Oh, Have you gosh. ever been arrested for embezzling your client's money? No, I'm just kidding. Those are, <laughs> those are she, just jokes. She, <laughs> I was trying to be funny. I, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes the jokes land. <laughs> sometimes they and don't. sometimes I just look at you and I'm like, where is she going with this? You might just need to edit that out. So what <laughs> questions would you recommend, David? Oh, boy. <laughs> well, so as I mentioned, like I would get at a few questions that get at their, their investment strategy style. So do you prefer investing in individual stocks or funds? And we talked to people that did both. And there isn't inher anything inherently wrong with one or the other, um, but they're, they're different approaches. Are you interested in commodities? Like, do you invest people's money in gold and silver and oil and all these other things, right? Um, do you, what, what is your payment structure? How, how do you get paid when I invest with you? Is it on a per transaction basis? Is it on a percentage of the total portfolio? Is it, what, like, what does that fee structure look like? Yeah. And I mean, there are other questions here. So like we, we also asked like, are how active are they at managing and understanding the portfolio and why? Um, so like, are they are they making adjustments every month, every other week? Um, we're people that enjoy and like stability in the portfolio. Like we don't want to be hopping from uh, investment to investment. If we have to hop that much, that means in our minds that there's a lot of a lot of managing, a lot of risk involved. We don't want that much risk where that much movement is necessary. Um, yeah. And I think, I mean, you, you need to agree with the overall philosophy for sure, but I think there are some things you, you don't need to agree necessarily with everything because you can make the decision. So for example, our advisor believes in debt. You know, he would recommend that we not pay off our home and borrow and invest that money with him because he can make more than what, you know, interest rates are at. That's a philosophy that we disagree with. We don't like debt. We want to have the freedom of being out of debt, even when it comes to our mortgage, you know, even though most people, and it, it's okay to have a mortgage, but we just didn't want to have that. So that's a difference of an agreement, but it didn't impact like the, he was doing what the money we were giving him, he was doing what we want. He's doing what we want him to do with it. Exactly. It, it was fine with us as long as we understood like he was he was approaching this from a logical position so i can't disagree with him that historically he's been able to make more by holding that debt great that's working for him we're just not comfortable with it and we can manage it that way um but yeah we still trust his judgment and we we he admits that he's not as he, he's admitted as i as i mentioned earlier that he's not as smart as certain fund managers and so Rather, he in, intends on focusing on understanding industry drivers. And he's able to explain that to us and say, here's why I'm investing in this fund at this time because of these certain market conditions. And it's very clear. Here are the things that he's doing and here's his approach. And so I can really respect that because he wants to bring us along on that journey right. and explain why that this is a good investment. Right. And if you do hire an advisor, you do need to meet with them regularly. At least once a year, you should check in, review your progress. But if you've got major life changes, if someone's changing a job or someone's staying home or there's just, you can check in more frequently than that. But if you're in a pretty steady state, 
you don't have to check in as frequent, but definitely be meeting with them on a regular basis. And I, I want to remind everyone that when, when we talk about these uh, investment accounts, oftentimes we get in our heads, oh, this is, this is only for retirement. This is my retirement money that I'm never going to touch. And most of it probably is your retirement account, but it's not all your retirement account. So um, for instance, Heather and I, when we were getting thinking about that next house, we still were socking money into this. We were saying, hey, that next house, it's probably five years away. So let's continue investing in, in this and let's put it in non-retirement accounts because we're not gonna need it for a while. Let's let it grow there. And then when it was time to buy that house, we pulled it out later. And so it, it was good. So you, you don't have to use this as a retirement account only. Yeah, and even if it is for retirement, you don't have to put it in a retirement account because you may decide you're gonna retire at 40, go for you. But if you, if you retire at 40 and you need that money, you can't use it without penalties and fees because retirement accounts have a certain age limits and things. So, but if it's in an investment account, then you, you can without the issues. So again, I think there's a difference on kind of what you call it and what it actual, the mechanism is the taco as we talked about. <laughs> so you can have an investment account and it can be for when you retire or it can be for whatever that goal in the next five to 10 years, maybe it's a vacation or a home or car or something like that, that your kids college, if you know, you've maxed out the college funds. So I think the biggest thing you need to know is it's about time in the market, not timing the market. And I have not said that I've heard that from a lot of places. I don't know who originally said it, but the important thing is we want you to do something. Don't just keep your money in the freezer. Like my grandma did, don't worry, she's dead. <laughs> so you can't go get it. But, um, you know, or put it in a, in your bank account, it's not going to grow. So you need to be doing something. We want you to act. Exactly. We need to be, the sooner you can start investing, the better. Um, it's going to be better for you. So I, I think, uh, okay. I think we should move on to our, our take home topic for the week. Right. So we want you to continue this discussion with your spouse, your significant other. So if you already have a brokerage account or a financial advisor, Awesome. Good for you. Uh, review your current investment status. Also check in if you are happy with who your advisor is or what or how you are currently operating today. You might be in a situation like David and I were where maybe you need to make a change. If you haven't started with a brokerage account on your own or with a financial advisor, talk about a plan to get started. Maybe it's just something as simple as opening a brokerage account and starting just put saving a little bit each month on your own. Uh, maybe it's asking friends for referrals or researching referrals online, but start that discussion today if you haven't already. So David. So Heather. What is one thing that you have learned from our fantastic financial advisor that you did not already know in that big head full of wisdom that you had? <laughs> I think you're, first of all, I think you're giving me a little too much credit for my wisdom. Um, no. <laughs> But um, no, I, I have learned a lot from, from our financial advisor and probably the, the big thing that gave me a lot of peace was um, I, I've, seen a lot of, uh, I've seen a lot of people change their investment strategy as they get older. So they transition from their younger years being more aggressive in their investing to in their later years being more conservative to the point where in retirement they're almost 
having no growth, right? It's almost an annuity where it's just bam, 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 consistent return, but you're making almost no no return on that investment. Um, and what what I learned from our advisor is market downturns rarely, well, never have lasted more than 20 months in the history of, of the US stock market. And so if you have enough money of to survive 20 months of a downturn in we'll a call low, it two years to be two fair. years a low risk you have low risk investments for two years of uh, of your expenses you can have the rest of that in continuing to grow in the market and surviving that recession and not putting your retirement at risk and but then you're also you're getting that time in the market like you were saying where you're not giving up those gains when the market bounces back. And so it's that happy sweet spot. And so we don't have that 20 month conservative uh, chunk of money sitting there now, but because we're not retired, but it gives me, it gives me more confidence to say, oh, I can still be aggressive and I can still grow if I want to in retirement without having to worry about um, being stranded or losing all my, my retirement income. No, it was really good when he shared that with us. For me, um, he is really good at writing and drawing upside down. <laughs> That's hilarious because he does this every time we meet with him. He always sits across from us at the table and he puts the documents in front of us and then draws out as he's He explaining. writes words and numbers upside down for him and graphs and charts. And it's like, oh my gosh. It's really you, impressive. You've done this I a couple like times. I feel that'd be harder than writing with your left hand if you're right-handed. Anyway. But no, I, I, again, such basic information, I feel like, are the key things. These aren't like hot stack tips or whatever, but like what David shared. Also, for me, he's taught us really to focus on the long term versus short term. Very aligned with what David was talking about. Just to focus on the fundamentals. He doesn't get caught up in the politics of today or the new president or the new shiny thing. I mean, you need to understand those and understand what the impacts are going to be. But at the end of the day, he is more of a understand them, watch them, but stick to the plan and the strategy and slow and steady. And he also always says, which is kind of like what David said, is that the markets go down and up versus saying the markets go up and down. So I like to think of it in that way as well. Mm, I, I like that call out because you're 100% you're right that he always reminds us that if you look at history, anytime there's a recession, the market always recovers above that recession. In fact, you know, we, we hit a recession not too long ago and now we're already up above 30,000 with the Dow. So it's like, yeah, of course. Yeah, it always comes back up. Um, now, eventually societies crumble, right? Rome fell at one point. And so <laughs> nothing will always continue up. But when that happens, we're in bigger problems than our stock portfolio and our retirement, right? Exactly. So I feel like we might need to put some legalese on this episode. To that. <laughs> yeah, just just to be clear, we're not recommending any specific in, in, investments. <laughs> Talk to your financial advisor or planner or somebody you care about. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for joining us today on this conversation. I think that about wraps it up. Uh, we'd love to hear from you on how your conversations around money have gone or to take your questions on a future episode. You can email us at marriageandmoneypodcast at gmail.com 
or message us on Instagram at marriage.and.money. Also, please rate and review us on iTunes as that helps us reach more people. Thanks again for joining us this week. And remember that whether you're a spender or a saver, your best financial life lies somewhere in